Hey everyone, and welcome to Areas of Interest, the podcast about undergraduate stories. I'm your host, Ariel, and welcome to another episode. A few things before we dive right in. Check out my contact info and socials in the show notes if you would like to get in touch. I will also have a link for today's guest who has an iHeartRadio podcast called Prodigy. Please like or subscribe to this podcast if you would like to be notified about future episodes. And if you are feeling extra generous today, then I would love it if you left a review for this show. I have a lot more areas to cover in the future, so please don't miss out. With that said, let's get into our interview. Yeah, my name is Lowell Berlanti, and I have a degree in communications with a focus in mass media, and I graduated from UNC Charlotte. All right. And can you tell me a little bit about the area of interest that you got your degree in? And you can feel free to explain it as simply or as complexly as you'd like to. Yeah, so it's uh, the area of communications, which is, you know, I guess there's several different fields of it. Like it could be radio, journalism fits underneath it, film sometimes does, Uh, mass media, that's like television or radio or I guess writing. Uh, So that makes sense. But and then there's also organizational communication, which is a specialization. It's like communication within organizations like top down, bottom down, uh, bottom up or uh, side to side. Um, So I guess it's, it's a bit of a broad field and they have some specializations in it. Yeah. Did you not like the degree? Because I know you had mentioned you didn't really recommend it. Is it because it's too broad or was it just not something that you particularly were interested in? Yeah. So the reason that I didn't re- wouldn't recommend it is not because I don't like the degree. It's just because I don't know if I would really recommend college these days, depending on like if you don't know what you want to do, then I wouldn't necessarily recommend college because I feel like if you instead like just go to work and um like study on your own in a particular field uh you can end up much better off without any student debt because i think you know as for some industries like what you've done your portfolio what projects you've done and what you know is more important than your degree yeah i i wholeheartedly agree with that especially nowadays with coding being really useful of a skill a lot of people can teach themselves how to code or even do like boot camp classes yeah absolutely and you know while you would get a nice education from that i think if you had spent 4 years uh, just specializing in a certain you know just learning javascript python java whatever um you would be much better off and you know cybersecurity is a field where you know they're at 0% unemployment and you know, in the next few years, they're expected to be at like 75% um, employment. So like they're they're going to have like a, a huge demand. So you'll just, you know, the opportunities for growth and creating, a, getting like paid a lot more and promotions will just be huge. So were there any cool things that you learned in your field that kind of were mind boggling or eye opening or just blew your mind? Or was it just kind of, you know, very basic. <laughs> well, I have one that I always thought was a little bit weird, but it's it's a theory that uh, called the medium is the message. So, which, you know, the medium, they're talking about how you're getting the content. So like radio, television, podcast, um, reading it in a magazine. So they're saying the medium, the way you're getting it is more important than the content or at least it frames how you perceive the content. And I always just thought that was like an interesting theory that I didn't fully understand. Um, I'm not sure if I'd still do. I mean, I understand how the mediums are different, 
But um, to me, the content is still more important. I was working on another project with somebody and she kind of wanted to approach a podcast in the way that you would approach a YouTube video channel. And I kept trying to explain to her that it it doesn't really work. You can't just take the skills that you know from YouTube and apply it to podcasting. I know that Joe Rogan has done a really good job at having a YouTube channel and a podcast, but I do feel like you have to take into account that on YouTube, it's audio and visual, whereas with podcasting, it's just audio. So I'm not really sure if I quite understand that the medium is the content either. <laughs> I'll have to look into that and and see if I can parcel out some information on that. Yeah, and I think that's about the most that I remember learning from uh, my whole degree. Oh, really? Even like the undergrad, like prerequisite classes, did you take any of the, um, you know, like history or science that kind of opened up your mind or your perspective about life? You know, maybe at the time, but I can't recall anything. I mean, I can barely remember what classes I took. Yeah, because you mentioned you got your degree 13 years ago. Yeah, and, and I, I did my first two years at UNC Asheville and then transferred to UNCC. And um, let's see, I mean, I don't know if this is a later question, but like the reason that I went into communications is because I didn't get into business school. My GPA was like 0.1 too low to get into business school. So so I was just like, all right, what what can, what do I apply for? Like, what can I get into? And it was communications. I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. So I'll just go into that. And so basically, I just tell people I majored in graduating. Yeah. Would you, if you were to do it all over again, would you try to get into business school again? Or do you think that your experience would have changed the way that you thought about college then? Yeah. So I may have still gone to college because my parents paid for it. Uh, I was very fortunate. But um, I would have uh, gone into computer science, programming, any of that stuff, just because um, I think it's interesting. And uh, it's just a really good way to make money these days. And you can do so many things like, you know, oh, you got this idea for an app? Well, you can just code it yourself. Or you can go to work for a company and get paid over $100,000 a year, you know. Uh, and I would be in that like a senior level now and um, probably making like 150 or 200 or 250, you know, so. Oh, trust me, you'd be making more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But, you'd uh, be making like 300. <laughs> also, like um, cybersecurity, like penetration testing, I think is just super, super cool. Yeah, I love that idea. Can you explain that? Uh, penetration testing, yeah. So it's um, like a corporation or a company um, will hire you or your company to try and break into their company, both their network and then sometimes often in person to the facility too. Um, so just so that they can um, like analyze where their weaknesses are. And it goes back to the military red team versus blue team. So um, the military would stage like mock battles and have like one side try and emulate what the enemy would do. So um, they have um, like they'll hire companies to try and break into their network, but they'll also hire people to sometimes break into their facility and they'll they'll do stuff like wear disguises, you know, dress up as like pest control or just use these different sort of little psychological hacks to gain access to their information or their server um, like in person, which is just really cool. Yeah, I've been listening to a lot of Darknet Diaries. Me too. And they have a lot of stories like that. And I'm so interested in social engineering yeah. and penetration testers. I had um, J uh, Chris Hadnagy from uh, uh, Darknet Diaries, a guest on there, and uh, John Strand, a guest on there, and Jack Reciter, um on for the season of Prodigy. Yeah, yeah. I still have to check out that episode. I just listened to your promo for season two. But um, yeah, Jack Reesider, Darknet Diaries, great podcast. Highly recommend it. 
Do you feel like the quality of the degree that you got is specific to the school or the area that you were in? Or do you feel like the communications field is pretty consistent across the board, no matter what school you go to? You know, that's, I don't know the answer to that question, but I am assuming that some colleges have, you know, way better, um, like, uh, I guess, ways to educate you in the field of communications than other ones do. I mean, I feel like that's probably true about uh, most colleges, but um, I couldn't say for sure. Yeah, the only reason I ask is because I'm a science major, and it does really depend on the college that you go to. Um, some colleges have certain reputations for certain fields. And so when you're going to pick a college, you want to make sure that you pick one that has a good program for that field of study. But with communications, you don't really need labs or, you know, equipment, <laughs> you know, it's, it's all you have to have good lecturers um, yeah. to have a good to have a good degree. Yeah, I definitely see the lectures and, you know, like how up to date the curriculum is, because, you know, if your curriculum's, you know, five years out of date, I mean, that stuff just doesn't apply anymore. So um, I really felt like my stuff I learned was already like way behind. It's something good to consider when you're picking a school is to look at the actual curriculum and the courses that you're going to be taking and just kind of seeing what exactly the description is because that they could be outdated completely and maybe they're not innovating their curriculum. Yeah, I highly recommend if you can, finding someone who graduated, someone in the program that's like two years ahead of you, um, someone in the program that just graduated, and someone who's been out in the field working for a few years. And those are going to be like your best sources of information about whether or not um, you should do the degree or not, or like what you could expect afterwards, you know. I graduated in 2008 um, into the financial crisis. So I like was looking for a job in communications and I don't even know why because I don't even know what a communications job would consist of. But I ended up just doing, started doing like freelance video stuff and did that for like the next 10 years. Yeah. So that kind of leads into my next question because it is an ambiguous uh, degree field. So did you discover any misconceptions about the field? Did you find out that it was something different than what you thought going in? I don't even know what I really thought it was going in or what it would lead to. Like, I, I, I guess I was just like, oh, this is what people do. They go to college and then they go try to get a job with their major. But, you know, if I could, what happened was I ended up taking a minor in film studies. And um, like one of the electives that I took was a intro to video editing class. My school had no like film legit film program at the time. And it just taught us the basics of editing in Premiere Pro. And um, that was enough to spark my interest in that. And I just started making videos all the time just for fun with my friends. And that led to a career. So it's like inadvertently, it did lead to my career, but um, not directly. But I don't know if I even knew, really knew what it was. I was like, communications. Oh, that's cool. It's like, you know, psychology of talking to people or whatnot. Yeah, or like, you know, applying it to marketing if you need to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of like other niche subjects within communications. I know some people go for the general bachelor's degree that covers, you know, everything and then they get more specific if they want to do a master's. Was there anything difficult about your college experience either with the classes or the college experience overall? I know you said your parents paid for it, so you didn't have any financial burdens, but were there any other burdens that you came up with in your college life? You know, when I first started, I was like going into pre-med and I had to take like chemistry at UNC Asheville. And it was the first time in my life I really had to actually study for something to pass. I mean, you know, I guess I'm like one of those people who is turned out to be ADHD. Uh, my 
brain works pretty quick and I'm smart, but like my working memory sucks. So when it comes to like when I actually have to apply myself, I find it very difficult, especially when I find the subject confusing or uninteresting. So that was the first class I ever failed. And um, so that was uh, eye opening. And, um, you know, any type of thing where I had to like focus and apply myself on something I wasn't interested in or felt like it was unnecessary, like writing a 15 page paper about the difference between Home Depot and Lowe's culture, like I find it very difficult to like write fluff or you know, all my writing is like very direct and to the point. I'd be like, oh, here's three pages and I've said everything that I could think of to say. And now I have to like make it 15 pages. So I found all that very difficult. Yeah, I found that difficult too. I'm like, why does it have to be 15 if I can say it in three? Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, okay, so how how did you navigate the college experience? Did you rely heavily on counselors or did your parents help you out at all with figuring out college? Well, my parents, um, probably to a fault, well, they're great, but like they even applied to colleges for me and stuff like that. Maybe because I was just slacking on my own and um, they were like spoiled with the fact that my older brother and sister were like very diligent. But um, so I don't even do that. But I, I decided to go to UNC Asheville. And um, when I first got there, like, you know, you do orientation and they like figure out what classes you should take. And they assigned a guy who like taught a class there and he had like no idea what he was doing. So I I initially signed up for like some of the wrong classes that uh, uh, were supposed to be in like the pre-med program. So uh, that was confusing. And um, I always found it very confusing. Like even when I transferred to UNCC, like what classes I was supposed to be taking and like, you know, the registration process, like you have this certain time that you got to like jump online and register. And I hated all of that. And then, you know, getting to classes, especially ones that were early in the morning was a pain for me. I would oftentimes just not go to class and like read the book. So, you know, I, and I, so I still, even when I was graduating, I was like, am I really graduating? Like, do I have enough credits? I'm not totally sure. Let's just see how it shakes out. I did graduate, but I still get that nightmare, you know, like where um, you show up for exams and uh, you like forgot to go to a class the whole year or whatnot. That's pretty bad. Yeah. It's a reoccurring dream that people have. Um, it's a common one. I have this reoccurring fear of before I graduated, I had a reoccurring fear that I was one class short of graduating. Oh, okay. And so, because I've heard people with nightmare stories like that where their counselor oh, told them they life? were good. <laughs> yeah. And they had to do another full semester just for one class. Oh, man, that's rough. Yeah. And so after I heard that story, because they were obviously livid and they posted a whole thing on Facebook about it. And so I checked with my academic counselor three times before. He's like, damn it. Yes, you're going to graduate. Okay, chill. Yeah, I told her, I was like, I'm so sorry. I, I have anxiety over this. And she's like, no, no, it's fine. I was like, I totally trust you. But like, I don't trust the automated system. Put it in writing. <laughs> I want this in writing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and especially now everything's kind of automated. Yeah. So they just go based on like the, the portal that you have online. Yeah, thanks for telling me about that. Now I'm going to have a new nightmare where I... Uh... <laughs> Hopefully you don't. Yeah. I mean, you've already graduated. You're very successful. So <laughs> yeah, I guess you, you already shared um, some tips from your college experience. Is there anything else, any tips that you want to share in terms of your life on the campus or in college or even interview tips when you're fresh out of college? and you're doing your first interview, what should you or should you not do? Right. So I would say while you're in college, the most important thing, and you may already know this, but figure out how you learn best. I'm a 
learned very, very late on that I was pretty ADHD. I got diagnosed only like maybe a year and a half ago. And so I'm the type of person where if it's not, uh, so if it's not in my calendar, I'm not going to remember it. So I have to be very, very diligent upfront about putting tasks in my calendar. And so that that's like really important for me. Um, so I would, you know, try and figure out what the best way it is that you learn and then apply that to your college. As far as interviewing or like getting jobs out of college, I would say they always said this back then too, and I never really understood it, but where they say it's all about who you know. Networking is so important because I will tell you that at my company, I mean, that's how I got my job. And we hire most people based on like a recommendation of somebody that works there. So it really is like they'll, I mean, I didn't know anything about audio when I got into podcasting, yet they still hired me over, I'm assuming lots of people who had better experience were better qualified than me. So I would say like really network whatever way that you can. Um, and I know that's like a broad statement, like just network, right? But um, if you think hard about it, you should be able to figure out ways that you can sort of just communicate with people and leave a positive experience with them. And, um, you know, when you're looking for a job, just be like, hit them up like, hey, if you ever you know, think of a job that might fit me, let me know. Because, you know, people do that with me and I do uh, like refer them up the uh, chain and sometimes they get hired. So I would just say definitely, uh, you know, look into networking. Yeah, you brought up some really good points that I also do in my personal life with networking. And because I, I am older than most of my classmates. And I always try to explain to them how important networking when you're in school, because you're meeting people in your same field. And so you want to keep those people in mind later on down the road, because they might get a job somewhere that has an opening. And if they remember you, uh, maybe you did something nice for them, or maybe you thought about them when an opportunity opened up, you know, and you let them know about yeah. it. They'll definitely remember that later on down the line. So even if I see a job opportunity that isn't quite something that I want to pursue, I have a list of people that I will contact and say, hey, this is a job opportunity. I don't know if it's up your alley, but this is the information if you're interested. And it's just kind of like, that's just how networking is, you know, um, you just keep people in your thoughts and, and keep them in your contact book. <laughs> yeah. And if you're in school, I would say, try and find a mentor that's in the field. Because um, like UNCC podcast network, uh, they started up later on, reached out to me and asked if I would like do a, you know, uh, a session with them, like just talking about stuff about podcasting. And of course I did it. And so, you know, if some, and somebody there asked me to like mentor them and I was like, sure, you know, um, not everyone will say yes, but you know, if that person ever, well, we had like an initiative and I recommended him for it and, you know, I would definitely go out of my way to help someone like that out. If they just show that they're interested in learning, I will give them a ton of time. So I think, um, you know, looking for a mentor while you're in school is, is a valuable uh, thing to do. Yeah, not everything that you need to know will come from a class. <laughs> you kind of yeah. need somebody with actual real life experience. Well, yeah, and the connection, you know, um, I think that helps a lot. Mm -hmm. Do you have any tips for interviews when when people are interviewing? Um, let's say they they did the networking right, they got the interview, but it's time for the interview day. Is there anything that you would suggest not doing or doing? Um, God, uh, do you have any tips for me? Because I'm not, I'm not very good at it either. I, I was going to say, you don't have to be super broad. And if you don't have any tips, that's fine too. One tip that I've heard is your first interview out of college, don't go for the job that you want. Always go for a job that you don't want because you're going to learn a lot about the interview process and you don't want to fudge it up well, with but, the one that you do want. But you won't get that, the one that you want 
um, that's going to get filled really quick. So you kind of have to go for that mm-hmm. one too, right? But yeah. no, I mean, uh, I, I guess maybe the idea would be just because you didn't do well in the interview, um, don't take it too hard and just try and maybe improve at it. I, I'm not good at it. I've only interviewed, not that I haven't interviewed that many times in my life. I mean, I've had two basic jobs. So, uh, but when you're networked, uh, the interview doesn't really matter as much. They're just like making sure you're not crazy person so um, yeah that you're okay to work with yeah so I just I'd love to give some great advice I just don't don't have it okay that's fine and do you do you like working for yourself and and managing your own stuff yeah I don't work for myself I'm a salaried employee of um, Mm. iHeartMedia or iHeartRadio oh okay and and how does that work in terms of do you have somebody higher up from you that you go to with questions and concerns yeah so since I'm a podcast, a senior podcast producer, and I'm the senior sound designer, so like anything to do with equipment or software, anything to do with that comes uh, comes to me for all our shows, and we have like hundreds of them. But uh, yeah, I have when I first started, and still now, um, they put me under this guy Tyler Klang. He's my executive producer, and he's been in podcasting for like ten years. So if I have anything like just an idea or questions or want feedback on anything, I can go to him, and he's like he's incredible and nicest guy you'll ever meet and has just really, really, really great actionable advice. So, you know, if you can find, uh, you know, anyone in the company that's like willing to answer questions for you, be really nice to them, say really nice things to them, send them a gift every now and again. I, I really like had some other podcasters um, help me out by letting me like drop an episode in their feed. And I, I always send them like gifts, as, not huge ones. You don't want to do that, but like, you know, small, meaningful ones. Um, but yeah, I would definitely look for people, you know, within the company that have been in the industry for a while that you can really just ask questions um, to. Yeah, Christmas cards and stamps is a good investment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, those small gestures, they're like, I-, I can't believe somebody thought of doing this for me. They sent me a Christmas card. You know, that stuff, like, it goes a long way, I really think. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if somebody is really important, I will take notes so that I can keep track. If they talk about their kids. hmm I keep track of details so I when I see them again I can bring that up because people love talking about their children. Yeah. And if you if you remember what they said and they remember that about you that they're going to be blown away. Oh yeah. Um, because you you cared enough about their own personal life. Yeah, so I just need like a partner to partner up with somebody like you who can do that stuff and uh, <laughs> or a personal assistant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they have an app for that. <laughs> yeah, I wish. Oh, man. So so you were talking about your project uh, in podcasting and your career in podcasting. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I'm going to skip a couple questions because I feel like we kind of covered them, unless you wanted to add something from those questions. But I, I wanted to open it up for you to talk about your project. So I can't. I guess, you know, I got into video. I did it for like 10 years, and it just felt like in the beginning it was a great field. But then like it felt like the salary – always was going down and while i was interested in it and enjoyed it like the corporate aspect of it was tedious and i never really felt the motivation to like master like the term like rage to master is where you're just like so interested in something you really want to spend the extra time to like learn everything there is about it but when i i was working for this company for like years and then you know i really needed to get out the company was doing terrible missing paychecks and stuff so like I had a connection, they were looking for a producer, I got into podcasting and I found like that is something I'm really interested in learning quickly. And so 
I was getting involved with the community, learning everything that I could. And I feel like when you're when you find an industry or a field where you feel that, you can just advance so much faster. And then, you know, you will get to points where you feel stagnant because you're like, I'm I'm better than this now. Um, and then at that point, I think it's really important to think like, what can I do outside of uh, my job to like uh, show people or like advance myself? So I I launched, I pitched a show. That was what I thought would be good for the time. It definitely was great, but I just got so into like the tech and gear that when the, the senior sound designer left the company that they were like, this is probably the best person for the job. Uh, I would say, you know, a field where you really just feel passionate about. I know that's not always, that's the hard part to find, uh, to figure out what it is. Uh, sometimes, it, you know, like took me, what? 12, 13 years after graduating to find it. Um, but they do say like there is studies done, even just another paper published recently, that people who try many different things as opposed to people who specialize early end up doing better. And they did it as a study of Olympic gold medalists, like when they started, how many different things they did before they started specializing in their domain. And the people that had tried different things and specialized a bit later on did better. So um, I would definitely, you know, try a bunch of different things, see what you're really passionate about and, um, you know, put all your effort and time into that one thing. Yeah, I think that sometimes you'll start something and you don't really get the passion or the spark to do the rage to master like you mentioned. And yeah, there may not be a good explanation why. It's just not it's just not a good fit. I think I have a theory. It's uh, one uh, genetic predisposition. Um, I'm really interested in Overwatch and I suck at it. Um, so interest does not always gauge uh, skill. So your podcast is named Prodigy. And how long have you been doing that? Oh, Prodigy has been going on, I think like a, about, well, uh, it'll be a year in November, I think we launched season one. But um, yeah, it was just, uh, you know, like I wanted to help jumpstart my career and I didn't plan on hosting. Like I'm not the type of person that considers myself very good on mic. People are like, oh, you majored in communications and you went into your podcast host. Like it makes sense. I'm like, no, I'm terrible at it. I have to like try really, really, really hard uh, and just be mediocre. But so I, I guess around 2010, there was uh, this book and a few books, but like Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. And the basic argument was genetics doesn't matter. It's all about deliberate practice. Uh, if you're familiar with the 10,000 hour rule, basically like mm -hmm. it takes 10,000 hours to master something. And the, like, the reason why you see prodigies is because they started very, very young. And uh, I thought it was really interesting. I was like, wow, you can make any child into like uh, a prodigy, you know, eventually a genius at something because you just start them really early in a domain. And so after thinking about it a lot, I was like, I don't fully agree with that. I feel like there's issues with it. So the podcast sort of started with that. So um, episodes one through three are basically like starting in the extreme behavior side of you with like the Polgar sisters. They were their father wanted to make them chess prodigies and he did and uh, like trying to figure out how or why that he was successful and then all the way to like then I go to Anders Ericsson and um, deliver practice and then uh, Robert Plowman with like the extreme genetic side of it where he basically says like parents matter but they don't make a difference so but then I just sort of covering started covering any psychological topic I found interesting so I'm not sure if I'm going to keep it up I just pitched a new show and I'm looking at some other new shows to pitch um, but there is two seasons out done about 500,000 downloads over um, like 20 episodes so it's been a great learning experience I definitely was surprised to find that people responded much better to episodes that I put in less work in, but like I was more organic, shared more about myself as opposed to like the highly written, uh, highly researched, uh, written and produced episodes. But uh, 
yeah, so it takes a little while to find your voice. I definitely think it's a good idea to just jump in and like make something to see what it's like. It's hard. It's really hard. So do you have help with your project? Not with Prodigy, although I can ask Tyler anytime I want for feedback, but oftentimes like I won't have time, but I can ask anybody that I want to in uh, in the company. But, you know, I think one of the most important things is feedback and it's part of deliberate practice too. Like you want immediate feedback, but so basically it's not just like sending it to a friend and being like, hey, what do you think? Because, you know, that friend's probably going to be like, it's great or it's fine or, you know, whatever. But um, what you want to ask is very specific questions. Like, what part did you like the most? What part did it get boring? Like, um, like how likely are you to listen to another episode? Like, very, very specific feedback. Uh, and make it clear you don't just want them to say it's good or it's great or it's fine. Like, you want to know what resonated and what did not resonate. I think that's really important, too. I, I try to be as specific as possible, especially if I'm picking up on a potential problem like are my words too poppy are the s's too harsh you know how do i you know when and that's a really difficult thing i have a lisp so it it does come out a lot and i'm always trying to improve the audio and and if somebody's like yeah it's it's a little too harsh or you're saying this word too much you know Mm -hmm. um that's another thing that i've noticed that i've gotten feedback on that is helped improve and i always tell them in the beginning i'm like even if it's bad feedback, I don't care. It's going to help me. So please. The bad feedback is the kind I feel like you want the most. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, you're you're probably blind to it if you're doing it. But also, it has to be from like more than one person. Because you know, some people just have personal preferences and you can't make everyone happy. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I figured that out. There's, you know, some advice that I'm sure is useful, but it's just not... It, maybe it might be too much work just to make one very small group of people very happy. Yeah, but I've I've got a lot of feedback that helped a lot. So, is there any hobbies that you want to shed light on? What What have you been doing during COVID besides making a podcast? Uh, that's pretty much all. Um, <laughs> I uh, built out a home studio, learned like woodworking and acoustic treatment and stuff like that. Um, so it was really nice that my industry wasn't impacted too much and I was able to work from home. But um, yeah, you know, if you're interested in podcasting, I would say, you know, feel free to reach out. I'm happy to like give you as much advice as I have. Is that for me or for the listeners? For the listeners. <laughs> well, you can too, of course. <laughs> I just want to make sure I can put that in there so you get 100,000 emails. <laughs> no, they they absolutely can. And, and you can list my email address or whatever, um, or my Twitter or whatnot. People, they actually can reach out and I actually will help them. That's awesome. And where are you located? Atlanta. Georgia. Atlanta. Okay. So do you have um, your own personal recording area that you have put foam all over the walls and everything? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, well, we have a studio like in Midtown, uh, but you know, I haven't been in there since the pandemic started basically but once. So, But I had like an office that I wasn't using. So I learned how to build acoustic panels. Like foam is, it really just hits the higher frequencies. So I built these like acoustic panels with I mean, you don't even technically need a, a, a saw, but I did get a table saw um, and then, you know, just like learned how to build them. Not super hard. I even built a DIY tutorial on YouTube that, God, has like 10,000 views now. And I mean, I wasn't expecting anything like that, but uh, I've had good responses from it. But it cuts down on the reverb, you know, like where, you know, your voice bounces off the walls, back, bounces back into the mic and it makes everything sound empty and tinny. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, I do have a home recording studio and I'm, I got mics all over the place because I'm the senior sound designer. So I like test them out and 
do tutorials for our producers so they can see what the sound is like and how to set them up and stuff. Thank you so much, Lowell, for sharing your story with us. Again, you can check out his podcast, Prodigy, by searching wherever you get your podcast or click on the link in the show notes. I would like to thank Kevin MacLeod for producing the show's music and making his work free to use. I do not make a lot of money, so I cannot afford to pay somebody to make music for this show yet. And since I hate goodbyes, I will just do this soprano style by cutting mid-sentence.